Tales of Zendaria Chapter 4 Aftermath Balthar charged at the Tikarian soldiers who were so rudely occupying his tavern. He'd long kept a sign above the bar stating, No manners, no money, no teeth, and he intended to live up to the promise. After all, assaulting royalty in his pub was the definition of no manners, and they'd already emptied their coin purses paying for ale all night. Come on, then, he wailed, and began wildly slashing at anyone wearing green with his double-sided axe. Within a moment, the king had already made his way from over by the bar where April was to the opposite side of Balthar. He was unarmed, but fearlessly grabbed two of the soldiers and brought them crashing into each other with alarming severity. As they both crumpled to the floor, King Quosteed began eyeing up his next opponents, who were quite rightly too afraid to move. April and Willow ran to Balthar's left and right, fists, feet, and teeth flying at their enemies. An almighty beating was being unleashed on the Tikarian soldiers when one shouted, We yield! We yield! By the gods, we yield! April and Willow took a few steps back and stood tall and proud. The king stopped emanating steam and his shoulders relaxed. Balthar stood in the middle of them all, an unconscious soldier in his left hand, another far more conscious soldier between his teeth, and one with an axe in his head to Balthar's right. Dropping the unconscious soldier and unclenching his jaw from the conscious one's neck, he pulled his axe from the other Tikarian's head. It had struck the man's helmet, but his head was bleeding profusely. Now which of you stupid bastards decided to fight the king of Zendaria? the leader of the group asked. Ah, it were Mason and Bighorn, I think. Course it was, not a brain cell to rub between them, he retorted. I'm the sergeant of this merry band of idiots, your highness. I can only apologise for their decorum while staying in your country, and ask that you not behead us for treasonous acts or some such. The king raised an eyebrow. The peace between our countries is delicate as it is. I'd prefer not to make it worse by decapitating any to carry an I see. The soldiers collectively sighed in relief. Aye, uh, our King Beefold would never be too happy neither, the sergeant said. Though I've no doubt he'd see our side of it. Ha, huh. were it up to me, I'd have settled this in the arena with Beefold long ago, proclaimed the king. Our king is a lump of flab who seldom carries himself to the privy, let alone into an arena. You'd wipe the floor with the chap. But I will say this, at least the fellow's honest. Oh? And I'm not. The massacre of Gristold, the assassination of our queen, the ambushes at Holfar, Blegwood, and Poltar. Ring any bells, Highness? No, you're not the picture of honesty. The king's face darkened considerably. I was not responsible for Queen Justinia's death. The rest, well. War is war, gentlemen. You know that better than most. Aye, and we know we're more beat. We'll be off. Lads, drag the others off the floor and let's get out of here. This Sendarian ale has left a bad taste in my mouth. You bloody Tikarians have left a bad taste in mine, shouted Balthar, grabbing the nearest tankard of ale and swilling the taste of unwashed soldier from his mouth. The soldiers ambled their way out of the tavern one by one into the back alley. April was watching them through the window to check which direction they were headed when something flashed in the corner of her eye. Something shiny? A knife, perhaps? Or a ring? Whatever it was had disappeared beneath a dark robe as April spied that several figures loomed in the shadows. It was twilight, and difficult to see through the murky window, but she definitely saw the hooded figures follow the soldiers in the direction of the town centre. 
Her stomach felt uneasy, but then she had just fought for her life for the second time today. The king was making an effort to help Bolthar clean up the tavern after the mess caused by the fight. The rest of the patrons drank and ate on, curiously unperturbed by the evening's events. Don't know why they bloody bothered coming in here with an attitude like that. Fancy attacking royalty, and then insulting them. That's the last Akarian I let in here, Balthar muttered while mopping up blood from the floor with a rag. Ah, don't hold it against the people for defending the honour of their country, Balthar. You and I would be no different under those circumstances. You and I would have at least been able to win the fight, the dwarf grinned. I have to admit, this does take me back away. Remember that expedition to Findar? Special forces days, the king said wistfully. Oh, you mean the brothel? Ha! That was a surprise. To my recollection, Highness, you got more than one surprise that night, Balthar winked. Now, now, Steve was the perfect lady, and she treated me wonderfully, the king smiled. What are you two talking about? April had come over to help. Oh, uh, wars, tactics, fire, manly things, said the king sheepishly. Yes, manly things indeed, Balthar chuckled. April's father cleared his throat. <clears throat> so, uh, any idea what you'd like for dinner? he asked. Groken stew with hunchboar suet dumplings, she replied, having thought about it since the idea of coming to the tavern was even suggested. Oh, it's been a long time. I think I'll join you in that. Balthar, may we eat? Of course, it's the least I can do after this fiasco. Balthar marched towards the kitchen. Let me just tell Cookie. I'm sure he'll be pleased. April, Willow, and King Quosteed sat at a round table where the soldiers had been engaged in their ale swilling. A few moments later, the crashing of pans could be heard, and Balthar ran back into the bar room. Feisty bugger, but I have to admit the man can cook. As he fetched utensils and drinks for the royal family, April had a burning question. Dad, what exactly happened to Queen Justinia? Hmm... You were very young, so I suppose you don't remember much. Not really. I remember everyone was terribly shocked and the newspapers were making a big fuss. She was assassinated by a member of her own court in broad daylight. They never did catch the perpetrator. Did no one see them or chase after them? April asked. They were cloaked, and by the time the dagger had hit the ground, they were basically gone, apparently. Of course, all sorts of threats were leveled against me and your mother. King Beefold was insistent we'd had her murdered to weaken Takeria's hold on their lands. Was... April faltered. Was it us? Did we have the Queen murdered? The King looked down into his daughter's eyes and gave a gentle smile. Of course not. To do such a thing would have put your mother's life at risk by way of retaliation. Though I admit we did take advantage of the ensuing chaos. Not my proudest moment, but we gained Blegward because of it. The Crimson City. So the newspapers say. Still, now that there's peace between us and Takarier, it should be renamed the Regular Coloured City. April's face bunched up. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, Dad. Mm, maybe you're right. The bowls of Groken stew arrived. Dark, meaty chunks in a thick gravy topped with hefty golden brown dumplings on the top. They were sticky, stodgy, and warm, and had a waft of hunchboar meat about them. They picked up their wooden spoons, no fancy silverware in a tavern, of course, and dug in. Willow, as ever, slammed her face into her bowl the second April spoon touched her lips. 
Later that evening, they bid Bolthar farewell, staggered home, fat and happy, and went to bed exhausted. April slept soundly with no nightmares, and Willow kept her feet warm through the night. Awaking the next morning, April felt a chill run through her. The window had been left open last night, and it was grey, bleak and bleary outside. A faint, drizzling mist clouded the skies and made everything damp and cold. April showered and flung on a woolen jumper and a pair of baggy trousers which held a myriad of pockets. She loved pockets and relished every opportunity to have them sewn into her clothes. Feeling slightly cosier, her and Willow ambled downstairs to the dining hall and were met by Miss Regibald. "'Morning, Princess. Got your lazy day clothes on, I see. It's just as well. Today's lessons have been cancelled.' "'What?' April asked, taking her seat at the table. "'Mr. Hurstwhistle has come down with something, apparently. Didn't want to risk infecting the royal family and being potentially tried for treason.' Miss Regibald set Willow's bowl of meats on the floor and was greeted with an aggressively waggly tail. "'Oh, that's unfortunate. I hope he gets better soon.' She didn't. While Mr. Hurstwhistle was a nice man, he had the personality of wallpaper paste, and the subject he taught was theory of magics, in which April was almost always more knowledgeable than him. "'Aye, the day's yours, April.' Miss Regibald dolloped some warm porridge into a bowl and topped it with long fruit, berries, honey, and a variety of nuts before setting it down in front of April. "'How was your evening off, Miss Regibald?' April asked. "'Quite pleasant, thank you. I had a long bath, caught up with a book, and even had a snifter of Zybarberry wine. Very refreshing it was.' April took a spoonful of porridge and lifted it to her mouth. She could see Willow out of the corner of her eye, watching eagerly with anticipation. She lowered the spoon slightly. The dog appeared to be filled with concern and let out a gentle whine. April smiled and put the spoonful in her mouth, and Willow's tail went berserk before she began chomping on a piece of parabic meat. "'I hear you got yourself into a bit of a scrape last night,' said Miss Regibald, eyebrow raised. "'They started it, and thankfully your father finished it. Fancy getting into a fight with a bunch of soldiers,' she scolded. "'I was just trying to practice my aeromancy. "'They came up to me,' said April defensively. Mm, "'All the same. "'You're a princess, April, an heir to the throne. "'You can't go about doing things like that. "'Your dear mum would be turning in her grave "'if I let you go and get yourself into trouble.' "'How did you even know about it?' April asked. "'If you think I wouldn't know where the daughter Eleanor Quosteed "'entrusted me with looking after is at all times, "'you'd be sorely mistaken.' Miss Regibald retorted with an air of pride. "'Well, I'm fine. The Tecarian soldiers, not so much.' April licked her spoon and set it down into the empty bowl. "'Finished! Really, I could swear you learned your eating habits from Willow!' The dog smiled contentedly. "'Come on, girl, let's go do something fun!' The pair stood up and ran out of the dining hall, leaving Miss Regibald to clear the table. She sighed, rolled her eyes, and set about worrying over the many, many other things she had to do today. April and Willow ran out through the great doors of the main entrance to the palace and stepped into the soggy morning. April took a deep breath. It always smelled so fresh after it rained. So, I'm not really in the mood for a forest today, girl. Not after Dryleaf. April trailed off and Willow cocked her head. Maybe somewhere with a few more people? Willow barked happily. She did like people. They fussed over her and gave her food. How about we go back into Greenbridge? Maybe have a look at some of the shops? I'm sure there are some excellent smells in the town square. Willow barked once more and off they went. 
After a fruitful walk involving several games of fetch and more than a few sticks, they arrived at the outskirts of town. Rather than heading towards the Beeston Bard, which was situated nearby, the pair wandered towards the town centre. Down cobblestone streets, they came to a large open square brimming with people, and more importantly, market stalls. A multicoloured river of cloth and leather surrounded the square, linked at the roof from stall to stall. In the centre were scores of people, men, women, children, dwarves, elves, animals, and plenty of others. It was a melting pot of pure coexistence. No one seemed to care about the rain, though a fine mist of water covered just about everybody there. April made for the rightmost stall and began to walk along them, eyeing up the wares and dodging around the other customers. There were stalls of cheeses, groceries and fine foods, jewellery, clothes and books. There was even a stall selling live creatures. It claimed the creatures were for all purposes in bright letters. April didn't particularly want to find out what that meant, so she skirted around it and found the merchant she was looking for. An elf whose name forever escaped April's memory sat behind the dark purple stall reading. In front of them was an array of weaponry. Swords, maces, flails, bows, daggers, kukri knives. Just about anything pointed or sharp a person could imagine. April's eyes widened as she fawned over the objects of war. "'May I touch them?' she asked. Without looking up from the book, the elf responded, "'You may?' but be aware that stealing from a weapon merchant is a fatally stupid thing to do. I wouldn't dream of it, April said, hovering her hand over the swords. There were all shapes and sizes of sword, long, short, broad, two-handed and one-handed, rapiers and bastard swords. She wrapped her hand around the leather cloth handle of a thin, short sword engraved with elven writings. I will admit, you have taste, said the elf, not looking up. April weighed the sword in her hand and began sparring against an invisible opponent. It cut through the air with a thin whacking sound. She spun around with a whirl, eyes closed, winning the invisible fight before a hand caught her wrist and something knocked her palm open. As April opened her eyes, the elf who was now stood before her caught the sword. "'You may have picked a fine blade, but that doesn't give you the right to nearly murder all of my customers.' "'Sorry,' said April. "'I just got a bit carried away. It really is an amazing piece.' "'Where's it from?' she asked. "'Findar, of course.' "'The elven writing didn't give it away?' the elf asked, raising an eyebrow. "'I didn't know whether you'd smithed it yourself, or if it was from another corner of the world.' "'I don't venture into dark elf territory. They're a way away from my trade route. And I'm a merchant, not a smith.' "'The elf who smithed this is Friath Sonderbeard. They're one of the finest smiths in the country, which I'm sure is what drew your eye.' "'Does he do anything in Zendarian steel at all?' April asked. "'They don't tend to work with foreign metals. "'I'm aware the reputation of Zendarian steel is great here, "'but in Findar, Findarian metals are considered the finest. "'And, of course, the dwarves love Halspathian metals. "'It's all relative, I suppose, "'until someone puts one of those metals to your throat.' "'The elf put the sword back in its place and picked up their book. "'Sorry, they,' April corrected herself. Is that really true about metals? It doesn't really matter where they're from. In my experience, yes. Sure, they'll all have different properties in terms of hardness, longevity, etc. But no one's ever won a battle due to the strength of their steel. It's the strength of their skill that counts. April took this in for a moment. But why sell them if the quality of them doesn't matter? Whoa, now. I said the origin of the steel doesn't matter. Quality is a different thing entirely. 
Throw one Findarian swordsfolk against a platoon armed with blowpig iron and the Findarian wins every time. The elf stared at April. But to answer your question, why sell art? Why make music? Why dance and sing and light fireworks? It's the beauty of it, the joy. I love the craft, it's as simple as. They looked back down at their book. And that is why I will always have the finest weapons on offer, no matter the country I'm in. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Well, thank you for letting me look. Ah, any time. Come back with your dad at some point and tell him to empty the royal treasury into my purse, eh? You know who I am. Flowing locks, check. Dog and toe, check. Sword scales, check. Mischievous grin, check. And finally, pain in the rear, absolutely check. If you weren't Princess April Quosteed, you'd have to be one hell of a doppelmaster. The elf smiled for the first time. See you around, Princess. April smiled, curtsied in the most exaggerated manner she could, and walked away with Willow at her heels. Are you hungry, Willow? April asked. The dog's eyes lit up. She was always hungry. Let's find something to eat, shall we? The pair wandered over to a stall selling fresh meat sandwiches. Every ingredient was freshly grown, made, or baked. April ordered herself a Zendarian loaf sandwich filled with cured dark meats, pickled vegetables, and fresh harbeast cheese. Willow received dwarven bread, which was much heartier and heavier than Zendarian bread, with every option of meat piled on the top and a generous helping of vegetables on the side. They sat down at a table on the edge of the market square to eat their meal. They were both merrily munching away when April spotted something. Just emerging from the crowd and out of the square was a dark hooded figure. She felt her stomach sink and promptly lost her appetite. The robe was identical to what she saw last night outside Balthar's tavern. Let's go, April whispered, slowly standing up and maneuvering in the direction of the robed stranger. Willow looked up at April, then back at the sandwich, then back at April. Utterly torn and conflicted, she finally decided to grab the larger slab of meat from her sandwich and padded after April, slowly chewing it as she went. The pair ducked and bobbed through the crowd, constantly keeping a wary eye on their target. They moved down a road towards a church where the crowds were thinning. The hooded figure picked up the pace and began striding forwards. April broke into a swift, light-footed jog to keep up. Suddenly, the hood turned and checked behind. April and Willow were caught almost entirely out in the open, with no cover to hide behind or people to blend in with. A face flashed in their direction from behind the hood, before immediately breaking into a sprint. April gave chase. Come on, Willow!